From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Hello, and it's good to have you with us for this Wednesday edition of Washington Watch. Coming up. Today, my administration uh, is announcing new actions to lower the cost of everyday living for American families. To put more money in the pockets of middle income and working class Americans. That was President Biden earlier today trying to convince inflation beleaguered families that he is fighting for them and not against them, announcing that he is going to go after junk fees by businesses. The president also had an interesting take on gas prices. And by the way, the price of gasoline continues to fall. It's down for the third week in a row. They're down $1.25 a gallon from the beginning of the summer, and gas prices in the decade before the pandemic were averaging $3.30 before the pandemic, before I got here. We're going to talk about that with Texas Congressman Pat Fallon in just a moment. Also, as the world grows more unstable by the day, what is the U.S. Department of State focusing on? You might say world peace? No, Uh, psychological safety at work. It's a part of their 10-day diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility challenge, which Secretary Anthony Blinken says is, quote, mission imperative. The 10-day pursuit will include daily educational experiences involving videos and articles about LGBTQ plus experiences, women and intersectional experiences, and it will wrap up with a Jeopardy-style game that could include as many as 50,000 federal employees. Frankly, I I think that would be a fitting conclusion, as they are clearly putting the nation in jeopardy. We're going to talk about that a little bit later here on Washington Watch. And we continue to see an increase in the use of the term Christian nationalism. On the ballot this November are a number of high-profile Republican candidates who are embracing Christian nationalist ideals. That's a belief that America was founded by and for white Christians. That was Laura Baron Lopez, PBS NewsHour White House correspondent. There is rarely, rarely a day that passes without the legacy media getting it wrong on Christian nationalism. Today, it was the Washington Post that pointed to Family Research Council's recent town hall on Christian nationalism. We're actually going to talk about it with Dr. A.J. Nolte from Regent University. And with lawlessness overrunning the citizens of California, the situation may soon get worse. The growing shortage of police officers in California may soon be at a crisis level. Why? Well, because of a measure signed into law by Governor Gavin Newsom. Now, folks, you're going to need to pay very close attention to this one, unless it comes to your city or state. Ben Johnson, senior reporter and editor at the Washington Stand, is here with the details a little bit later. The 2022 lame duck session of the 117th Congress, that's the current Congress, could be the two most dangerous months in modern American history as it relates to religious freedom, the sanctity of human life, freedom of speech, and election integrity. Now, I would encourage you to take notes a little bit later in the program when we get into this topic because, quite frankly, I'm going to need your help. Uh, We have got to be paying attention to this lame duck session of Congress, which will start immediately after the election. FRC's Connor Simmelsberg, a director of federal affairs, will join me for that conversation later here on Washington Watch. Our word for today comes from 1 Kings chapter 21, verses 28 and 29. 
But there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord, because Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up. Now, the prophet Elijah had delivered God's indictment of Ahab, who was really at the top of the list of evil and wicked kings for Israel. But if you notice in verse 29, Ahab actually responded to this indictment, and as a result, God extended grace to him. Verse 29 reads, See how Ahab has humbled himself before me. Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the calamity in his days. See, no one, no matter what they have done, are beyond the grace of God. This grace seen in the Old Testament is even more prominent in the New Testament as it was displayed on the cross. As long as you have breath, you are not beyond the reach of God's amazing grace. So call upon him today. With the midterms less than two weeks away, it might have finally dawned on someone in the White House that the economy is the primary issue for the average working family as they consider how they're going to vote. Now, in a speech this morning intended to promote initiatives the Biden administration claims will deliver breathing room to the American people, the president also predicted gas prices will go down. But since it's the president's own policies that created the current energy crisis, could a thumping for his party in the midterms lead to a change in direction for the country? Joining me now to uh, discuss this and much more, Congressman Pat Fallon. He serves on the House Armed Services Committee and the House Oversight Committee. He represents the 4th Congressional District of the Lone Star State. Congressman, welcome back to the program. Tony, how are you doing? I'm doing quite well. Thank you. So, uh, Pat, your response or your reaction to the president's remarks today, uh, giving the American people some breathing room. <laughs> I mean, uh, I think Joe Biden is living in an, in an alternative universe, Tony. The reason why gas prices are as high as they are, I mean, they were $2.38 when President Trump uh, enjoyed his last day in office. And now they're on average, it varies every day, about $3.90 um, a gallon. So that's about 60% higher than it was before. The day day one, Joe Biden said, you know what, we're not going to have the Keystone XL pipeline. We're going to nix that. That would have provided 830,000 barrels of oil a day. The world uses about 100 million barrels. So it was roughly 1% of the world's supply. He said he's not interested in exploiting. And then in that first week, he said, we're not going to issue any new leases to drill on federal lands and in uh, federal waters. That's going to have a consequence. And then Throughout the last 22 months, his administration and his allies on the Hill have declared open war on American energy by, through increased regulations and fees, et cetera, and, and they're really demonizing them. So the reason why gas is as much as it is, if you see those little stickers, I did that with Joe Biden, he did it. No, he did it. I have seen those stickers, and I think it keeps the uh, the gas uh, station attendants pretty busy trying to take them off. I, I want to play a couple more clips of the president, and, and I want to I want to ask you to help explain this to me because I'm having a hard time tracking what he's saying. Uh, play clip number three. Gas prices in the decade before the pandemic were averaging three dollars and thirty cents before the pandemic. Before I got here. During the pandemic, there was no one was driving, so the gas prices went down. Uh, okay. So it's the fact that we were in a pandemic and no one was driving. That's why we had affordable gas during the four years of, of uh, President Trump, right? You know, that is really some classic Bill Clinton-type spin. You know, you know they, they got in a room, I'm sure, and said, okay, how are we going to spend this? 
All right, what was the highest day of gas prices in the four years of President Trump? We'll say that's what it was before the pandemic. I also remember it being about $1.85 before the pandemic. And they just conveniently left that out. They're just, it's selective information. And it's really, um, you know, it's, it's completely out of context, as we know. Uh, but it, it, was, it was a good uh, try. A Hail Mary that didn't get, that, that prayer didn't get answered. You know, I would say it's flat out deception. Yeah. And, and that's what this administration is engaging in. You know, we, we hear the term gaslighting. And I think that's what they're doing to the American people. They're thinking that we are, that the American people are stupid. Uh, and I, I hope they see something different um, at, at the polls here in less than two weeks. I, I want to move on to another topic, uh, Congressman Fallon. The Department of State, you know, we live in probably, well, no question, the most uh, dangerous, unstable time since uh, before World War II. And so our State Department focused on uh, trying to get world peace, uh, order, no. They're focused on launching this 10 days for diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. The Secretary of State, Blinken, says this is mission imperative. And as I mentioned earlier at the top of the show, it ends with a game of jeopardy. Um, How do you respond to that? Mission imperative from Secretary Blinken. You know what should be mission imperative, Tony? Uh, Concerning ourselves with, I don't know, the largest land invasion in Europe since World War II. Uh, a nuclear Iran should be mission imperative to prevent that from happening. North Korea increasingly aggressive and ra- you know rattling their saber, and China uh, looking very you know licking their chops, looking out across the the seas at Taiwan, but also infiltrating at every every opportunity, trying to destabilize our country. And you know they're bent on world. Hegemony. So recognizing those realities should be what the State Department is focused on. Instead, anytime the left uses diversity, it's really a code for leftist indoctrination because it's their religion, if you will, for the secularists. And it's the last thing that the State Department should be focusing on now is all this wokeism. You know, there was a time, Congressman Fallon, when we had the luxury of engaging in this nonsense because the world wasn't as volatile and America still had the impression of being a strong nation. But as we've seen the wokeness, as you made reference to overtake our military, we we saw the debacle of the withdrawal from Afghanistan. The world now knows the curtain's been pulled back. America is being run by by clowns. And and so we are very vulnerable and so to, to engage in more of this uh, ideological indoctrination, it, it, I mean, I'm concerned about the state of our country in terms of national security. And, and, and as you talked about China, Russia, uh, yeah. there are a lot of evil nations out there that are just looking for the right opportunity. Yeah, I mean, it's the new axis of evil is, you know, Iran is sending drones and military training. They're doing some military training, the reports that I just read recently on in Crimea for the Russians. And they still have, this administration still is negotiating with the Iran. We're, we're heading a letter right now to the president demanding that he cease all contact with Iran right now. I mean, the American people are pouring billions of dollars into the fight against the Russian aggression, and they're still trying to coddle the Iranian regime, particularly when there's a lot of instability within Iran that we should supporting, you know, fully to the, the, the fullest extent that we're capable of. And I'm just, I'm really dismayed and shocked that this administration would 
used every means at their disposal to politicize the military, uh, the State Department, and other, or, you know, we've seen it with the FBI as well. They're using American taxpayer dollars. This is illegal, it's immoral, and it's terribly unethical. Uh, Congressman, uh, final question for you. We're almost up against a break. I'm going to be talking about this a little later in the program. That is the lame duck session of Congress. How concerned are you about the upcoming lame duck session? Well, Tony, as you mentioned in your monologue, I'm very concerned, very much so. Uh, thank God for the filibuster, because there's going to be so much garbage being passed out of the House, and the Democrats will blindly fought, follow Nancy Pelosi like lemmings off the cliff. And uh, it's really the only bulwark is going to be the, the Senate filibuster. Well, there is going to be a lot that needs to be stopped because uh, they are teed up for this one. Congressman Pat Fallon, always great to talk to you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Thanks, Tony. God bless. All right. Good to see you. All right. Hey, by the way, election just around the corner. Early voting's already started. You can get your own personalized voter guide. All you need to do. Text the word guide, G-U-I-D-E, to 67742, 67742. Text the word guide. You'll get a link. Follow the link. Put in your address, and voila, there you have it. You'll have your own personalized voter guide with candidates rated based upon faith, family, and freedom issues. Okay? So do that. Coming up. The left continues to beat the drum that we all need to fear a rise in Christian nationalism. Well, what are they all about? What are they really trying to do? That's next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. A lot more still to come. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org slash Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldview's monthly newsletter, visit frc.org worldview.
Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose. Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. This is Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us. The website is TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you. Also another resource I just mentioned. But if you've not yet gotten your personal voter guide, then now's your opportunity. Early voting's already started. I actually voted yesterday. Uh, We're less than two weeks away from the election. You need to know who's on the ballot and where they stand on the issues. So to get your personalized voter guide, simply text the word guide, G-U-I-D-E, to 67742. That's 67742. Follow the links and put in your address and you will have your own personalized voter guide. Well, speaking of elections, that uh, might be why that the left just won't let go of this label, Christian nationalism. Uh, today in the Washington Post, two academics writing uh, accused the Family Research Council of working to promote Christian nationalist policy goals in the government, the courts, and at the polls. Now, I don't embrace the label, but if they want to call me a Christian nationalist for living out a biblical worldview, then okay. Go for it. You know, as Christians, we're called to influence the world around us. And the the word of God is applicable to every aspect of life. And that includes our politics. And that's why we encourage people to pray for government, to vote your biblical values, and to stand for biblical truth. Well, join me now to to talk about this, Dr. A.J. Nolte. He's an assistant professor at Regent University, which recently co-sponsored a town hall on Christian nationalism with the Family Research Council that, quite frankly, has driven the left uh, to a lot of these comments. It's driving them crazy, which I kind of enjoy. Uh, Dr. Nolte, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be with you this evening. Uh, Before I get into this, I want to play a clip from, I played this at the top of the program. This is uh, Laura Baron Lopez. She's a PBS NewsHour White House correspondent setting up a piece on Christian nationalism. I want to play this and get your response. On the ballot this November are a number of high-profile Republican candidates who are embracing Christian nationalist ideals. That's a belief that America was founded by and for white Christians. All right. Go for it. Well, um, that's a very interesting definition of Christian nationalism. Um, I am somebody who basically for for my Ph.D., I I did research on nations and states and all of this kind of stuff. I remember as I was working on, you know, finishing up my my proposal, which is where you try to get people to agree to uh, your your project. A very, very lovely woman, you know, actually left a center 
reached out to me and said, are you sure you want to go there with nation and with nationalism and really bring that in there? And the reason she said that wasn't because nationalism is this rail you can't touch in, in academia. It's certainly not. It's because it's incredibly difficult to define. Um, you get three academics in a room and you can't get them to even agree on where nationalism comes from, let alone what it is. But what I find interesting about the definition that she used there is that she, she starts off by talking about Christian nationalism. And then she says that it's a belief that America was founded of, by, and for white Christians. Okay, so what we've done here is we're, we're taking Christian nationalism, which in theory at least is a fusion of religion and nationalism, and then we substitute the term white Christians, and that moves the definition of, of nationalism into a more ethnic category, right? So what they're essentially trying to say is, uh, you know, it, it's an implication that social conservatives are more sort of favoring the white element. Notice that the, the white uh, aspect right. is, is put first, right? And I think that, you know, there's some very specific signaling that goes there, and, and maybe we could talk a little bit about this. But, you know, I suppose if you're not doing very well in the polls with Hispanics and African Americans and Asian Americans who are, you know, pushing back against a lot of the woke stuff and gender ideology, you might try to play the race card to divide social conservatives. I'm just not convinced that it's right. going to work. And as, as a definition, it, it doesn't go here. Well, a couple of points to that. The definition is not consistent. We see varying definitions of Christian nationalism. It, it's mm -hmm. become like the term evangelical. It's very elastic. They can use it however they want. Uh, but she is not alone. And I'm very glad, Doctor, that you pointed this out. The sleight of hand, if you will, or sleight of yeah. tongue, by in injecting white Christian nationalists, because she's not alone. That happens all the time. It morphs into it. And as a true follower of Christ, nothing is more abhorrent than a dislike or a predisposition to hate your brother because of his or her, her ethnic background. That's an anathema to Bible-believing Christians. And so you're absolutely right. It's designed to force them to move away from embracing their faith as a pathway to cultural engagement. Right. Correct. It basically means you either have a bad definition of white, a bad definition of Christian, a bad definition of nationalism, or, and this is what I suspect is going on here, a bad definition of all three. Let's, let's define what they're concerned about. I think I know what they're concerned about, and that is they're concerned about Christians who allow their faith, their biblical anchored faith, to guide their political engagement meaning they won't vote for candidates who want to murder unborn children. Right. They won't vote for candidates who think that uh, gender is like, uh, you know, an, a store that has different 52 different flavors of ice cream. Uh, they, they are not going to support someone who believes in the redefinition of marriage. That's their problem. Yeah. What's interesting is later on in that interview, and I, I listened to the interview that clip came from, there's an academic from, from Calvin, uh, Calvin University, and she, she talks to, she says, well, not everybody who wants to see their Christian values reflected in government is a Christian nationalist. Great. We can agree on that. But then there's not a clear, uh, consistent series of criteria that dif differentiate a Christian who wants to see their values reflected in government from a Christian who is a Christian nationalist. And this is one of the problems with the definition of, of nationalism. Nationalism really, when you get down to it, means you've got a nation that you are uh, seeking state power, 
Okay. And so right. it, from, if you're going to be a Christian nationalist, presumably what you'd be advocating for is some sort of, you know, recognition of, of Christianity sort of officially in state power in a way that you would sort of have an established church. Right. Almost any instance that I can point to where there's Christian nationalism, there's either an established church or there is direct support for Christianity um, from coming from the government. And that support often means government control. Now, you have right. a candidate just just to kind of drill down for, for a brief second. You've got a candidate in that list of, of clips. They show a list of clips in this YouTube video. who says the government doesn't direct the church. The church directs the government. That, to me, is the opposite of Christian nationalism, because what ends up happening in Christian nationalism is that the nation ends up right. um, essentially controlling what is and what is not Christianity. Th that is not what we want at all. Right. Do Dr. Nolte, we're up against a break. Uh, we're going to have to wrap this up, but I, I want to have a longer conversation. So we're going to we're going to continue this on another day. Thanks so much for being with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Stick with us, folks. We're coming back. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student? Specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. And by the way, all of these uh, interviews are archived at TonyPerkins.com. And I certainly encourage you to share that interview we just did with uh, Dr. Nolte with uh, friends, because this is something the media is using to try to silence conservative Christians. We cannot let them do that. Again, that's why we have resources like our voter guide. So be sure and download or get your uh, free, personalized voter guide. Simply text the word guide, G-U-I-D-E, to 67742, 67742. You'll get a link, follow the link, 
put in your address. Within seconds, you'll have your own personalized voter guide. Okay, last month, California Governor Gavin Newsom signed into law two bills that stand as ideological purity tests for law enforcement officers in the state. One bars Californians who have been members of hate groups from joining the police, and the other requires police applicants to be screened for bias. Now, you really think that that's going to be fair? Now, to be sure, the law uses a strict definition for the term hate group after there was a lot of pushback, which is directly tied to genocide. But as viewers and listeners know, even the Family Research Council has been labeled a hate group by some on the left, including the Southern Poverty Law Center, which is a leftist hate group. And FRC acquired that label. Why? Because we're violent? No, because we follow biblical principles and values, i.e., we believe that marriage is the union of a man and a woman. We believe what the Bible has to say. Now, lest anyone think such laws are confined to California, what was the military vaccine mandate, if not a purity test, to purge the ranks of those who have deep faith? Joining me now to discuss this is Ben Johnson, senior reporter and editor at The Washington Stand. Ben, welcome back to the program. Wonderful to be with you, Tony. Well, Ben, uh, good to see you again. The left often hides their intentions behind misleading rhetoric. Could that be the case here? It absolutely is the case here. As you noted, that the original bill did not contain the strong definition of hate group. Uh, the bill in question, AB 655, originally had no definition for the term hate group. It was entirely at the volition of anyone who wanted to fire someone for belonging to a group that was deemed a hate group. Of course, as we know, the Southern Poverty Law Center, which has net assets of $614 billion, lists the Alliance Defending Freedom, uh, the Liberty Council, American Family Association, even the late Dr. D. James Kennedy's ministry as a so-called anti-LGBTQ hate group. And uh, the SPLC's designation of the Family Research Council triggered a domestic terrorism attack 10 years ago this August. I mean, look, no one that I know of advocates for genocide, not not anyone that is uh, Christian in their orientation. And I don't know who would want an advocate of genocide on a police force. I mean, it's the opposite. Um, but can we really trust the state of California to fairly define hate groups in a consistent manner? And when this comes to this uh, testing for bias, I mean, could someone who is in a church that preaches the Bible about human sexuality, could that become a flag that could jeopardize uh, someone's career in law enforcement? I think it certainly would. Um, one of the laws that uh, was signed last month is uh, AB 2229. That builds on a, a law that uh, Gavin Newsom signed back in September of 2020 that requires the uh, Commission on Peace Officer Standards and Training to incorporate a psychological evaluation. Anyone who applies to be a police officer has to undergo a psychological evaluation for both explicit and implicit bias. As we know, uh, implicit bias could mean, for example, they show you two pictures, one of them a homosexual couple, one of them a heterosexual couple. And if you react any differently, they say that you have implicit bias that triggers certain forms of training. Uh, also, these bills require that anyone who has uh, a, an allegation lodged against them that they've been guilty of bias uh, has to go undergo a thorough investigation by their police department. And 
If someone has enough investigations, they can obviously be fired just for the fact that they're not productive. But uh, the idea of bias uh, in many of these bills is either ill-defined, not defined at all. Uh, and when it is, it's highly concerning. For example, there was a report from the auditor of the state of California where they talked about bias. They looked at five separate police departments, the largest cities in California. The example that they produced of uh, a bias was a police officer who posted a meme of the assistant uh, secretary of the HHS, whose birth name was Richard Levine, saying that he was a man. So that's considered disqualifying bias in the words of this report. Huh. I know you've been researching this. You're actually writing on it. I don't know if you've published on this yet, but uh, I, viewers and listeners who may not be in the state of California uh, might be inclined to say, oh, yeah, that's California, land of fruit and nuts. But the, I don't think they can dismiss this as just another state problem. I mean, this is something that, you know, we've seen it in our military, this effort to purge people of faith and conservative values. Is this a trend that we need to be watching for? It's certainly a national trend. Uh, as you say, you've mentioned the uh, uh, the vaccine mandate. To my knowledge, the Biden administration still has not voluntarily granted a single religious exemption for those who have faith-based objections to taking the COVID-19 shot. And as we know, the vast majority of those which are available, Moderna, Pfizer, were all uh, produced or tested upon uh, aborted fetal cells. So people very well, yeah. people of faith, very easily would have objections to that, which are clearly Bible-based and reasonable. Um, you know, at the same time, that means that the vast majority of people who uh, are Christian and pro-life would not be able to serve in the military. Effectively, it's a bar to their advancement in that right. uh, in that industry, as well as in the police force in California. And then you and have the very, uh, very, example. very troubling. Hey, uh, Ben, we're up against a break. We have to leave it there. Uh, thanks for joining us. Great insight. Look forward to reading more about it. Thank you. All right, folks, stick with us. The lame duck. That's what we talk about next. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742 and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. 
with just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make the difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. Welcome back. I'm Tony Perkins, your host, and this is Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com. And let me again uh, put out, uh, for those that may just be tuning in, a way to get your personalized voter guide as you head to the polls, either uh, on Election Day, on November the 8th, or as you vote early. I, I did. I voted early. I want to make sure that nothing came up to keep me from going to the polls and voted. voting. So we have a personalized voter guide available for you. Just text the word GUIDE to 67742. You'll get a link, follow the link over, put in your address, and you will get your own personalized voter guide. Again, that's uh, GUIDE, G-U-I-D-E, to 67742. Okay, I was talking earlier um, with Congressman Fallon about the president's uh, remarks this morning. I watched the president's speech. You know, we watch these things so you don't have to. But I... And... um, and I was struck by, you know, he was this was about this whole focus was supposed to be about reducing junk fees, corporations like uh, banks that charge you an overdraft fee. It's, it's quite frankly, it shows how desperate I think this administration is, you know, saying we're going after these junk fees that are going to lower the cost of everyday living for Americans, you know, going after concert ticket and resort fees uh, but then he went into something I've heard him say many times, uh, and it was about hearing aids. And I thought, man, how many times are we going to hear about this? So I, I wanted to play this clip of of the president who, I mean, he's he's really, this must be a big deal. There must be a lot of voters out there uh, who he is trying to reach. Uh, play, uh, play that clip, please. We're going to lower the prices and everything for prescription drugs to hearing aids. Starting this week... We're making this a big deal. We're making hearing aids more affordable. One thing we've done is to make affordable hearing aids available. We've made, for example, hearing aids more affordable and available over the counter at prices at places like Walgreens and Walmart. And Medicare will now cover the cost of hearing aids and hearing checkups. Making hearing great again. Um, You know, I, I guess he's going after the hard of hearing boat. And I guess he has to keep repeating it because they can't hear him. Um, 
You know, I would add if they're, if they're hard of hearing and they're going to vote for him, they must be stiff of neck as well. Okay. Um, that said, let's talk post-November 8th, where we get into the lame duck session of Congress. I believe, and this is based upon 20 years of doing this, that the 2022 lame duck session of Congress could go down as one of the most dangerous periods in modern American history, politically, as it relates to religious freedom, the sanctity of human life, and the freedom of speech. If the 2010 and 2014 lame lame duck sessions are any guide, conservatives need to be prepared for a direct assault on each of those issues. And top of the list is this so-called Respect for Marriage Act that is teed up in the Senate for November the 14th. So as we prepare for this lame duck session, what do we need to remember and how do we need to respond? Well, join me now to discuss this is Connor Simmelsberger. He's the Director of Federal Affairs, Life and Human Dignity here at the Family Research Council. Connor, welcome back to the program. Great to be back, Tony. Okay, so let's start with the bill that I just mentioned that Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has been vocal about. And I think it's uh, Senator Duckworth has said uh, it's teed up for a vote on the or at least uh, begin the discussion on the 14th of November. That is what I call the Disrespect for Marriage Act. Let's talk about that. Yeah, uh, you couldn't name it any better. It's uh, really disrespecting marriage in its fullest form, attempting to do something that's totally unnecessary, codifying the Obergefell decision. But that's not just all that's uh, behind the, the the book here on what this bill does. It, it would attack religious freedom, as you mentioned, uh, put in jeopardy, uh, you know, faith-based adoption providers, women's shelters, you name it. Uh, that's what this bill puts in the crosshairs. And like you said, it's not just the Tammy Baldwin's from Wisconsin pushing this, but uh, some of the lead negotiators are Republican members. Senator Portman from Ohio and Senator Romney from Utah have been working to find some compromise language. But um, as we all know, these compromises never work out in the, in the way they intend to. Yeah, thank you for cor- cor- correcting me on that. That was Baldwin that's uh, pushing for that. Um, this, one of the reasons of concern is that we had 47 Republican members of the House that voted for this. Now, uh, they, they said they weren't aware, many of them, uh, who did vote for this. Of course, it did get hung up in the Senate after we raised these concerns of the threat to religious freedom. But there are some uh, who are leading this effort, uh, Baldwin, as well as Senator Tillis of North Carolina, saying, well, they're close to reaching an agreement on protecting religious freedom. Is that true? So that's what they're gunning for. They want to get those 10 Republican votes, and they think through some, you know, compromise amendment, that can get the 10 votes done. But uh, thankfully, there's been some efforts, you know, Senator Mike Lee out of Utah really holding strong uh, and trying to get a rally of members there to say, we we will not let this go through, even with this compromise language, because even with uh, compromise with some of these Republican senators, like you mentioned, Senator Tillis, um, it, it just blunts the, the sword. It, it doesn't take away all the concerns we've talked about. Um, and just how egregious this bill is. It, it just really is uh, some uh, sugarcoating on top to make it look like there's religious freedom protections. But um, that's what we're trying to monitor down the stretch here to make sure that this does not get through uh, and see the light of day with these extra 10 senators. 
So what other measures are on the um, kind of the uh, the checklist or the to-do list that Democrats have teed up possibly for the lame duck session? Yeah, it tackles every issue that we love and care about here at FRC. You know, you just talked about marriage and religious freedom. Talk about the life issue. They've passed this Women's Health Protection Act out of the House twice now. This is not just caught, not your grandma's codify Roe v. Wade bill. This would bludgeon all pro-life laws across the states. Uh, you talk about the For the People Act, federalizing all elections across the board, uh, mail-in votes, you name it. And that's just sort of the categories of bills we're seeing. Uh, but even though those are sort of those show votes they've had throughout the years, it's cautious to look at what these topics are. Funding for abortion, attacks on religious freedom, attacks on marriage, federalizing elections. Even if they can't get these bills through the finish line, we're going to be on guard to see if even little pieces of this show up and these must-pass bills come the stretch, uh, home stretch this couple weeks. Okay, so let me, let me just step back for just a moment, uh, Connor. Let's talk about kind of the, the, the process of lame duck. Why why do we have this? What is it? And why is it a reason for concern? Yeah, you know, people might not be familiar. Lame duck, what does this mean? You know, what this really means is when a party that's in power right now, it's the Democrats, President Biden, he's got the, the House and the Senate are going out of power. A lot of pundits expect the Republicans take back the House, potentially the Senate now, too. And so as a party goes out of power, um, they try to cling and get through as much as they can in those final days while they still have legislative power. If you're the Democrats, that might not be for a while. You look at the 2024 Senate map, they have a ton of tough races. The prospects for Joe Biden, if he runs again for president, aren't looking great. And so this is their chance when politi politicians have just run for re-election and they're not going to face the voter for the, a long period of time that they try to get things through where the voters uh, and the constituents don't have as much say. So that's sort of the dynamics that are going to play out in these five, six weeks once we get back um, after November 8th. And that's not speculation. That's based upon historical precedent where you have not only members who just stood for re-election, and so they have this, and, and there's a lot of truth in it that the American voters will forget because there'll be some uh, probably other egregious act that occurs that eclipses what they did in a lame duck session. But you also have members that are retiring that will be leaving. And so in many ways you have a Congress and a Senate that will be setting policy for the next Congress, because we've got a, a number of appropriations bills that may tie the hands of the incoming Congress that could be decided by this lame duck session. Now, on these issues that we were just enumerating that we are so concerned about uh, as it pertains to, uh, to marriage in particular and the threats to religious freedom, I go back to 2010 in that lame duck session. That's when the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell took place, which really was the first domino to begin to fall that created this cascading effect that I think led up to Obergefell. And here we are in this lame duck session uh, 12 years later where we will see uh, potentially this effort to culminate that with a redefinition of marriage in statute, which will then be used as a kind of a green light to persecute believers, Christians, others who have failed to come along in this redefinition of, uh, of marriage and human sexuality. 
Yeah, you know, it's almost uh, bookends, right? Like you said, with Don't Ask, Don't Tell, they tried to push it through the defense authorization bill at first, were unsuccessful because of Senate filibuster. They come back in December, and once the political pressure was off because of retirees and incumbents that maybe lost their races, they got it done. And again, we've been wrecking the policy uh, implications of that for over a decade now. And so that's the same thing. We cannot let this get through in this lame duck session when the political eyes are off, maybe the current politicians in Congress. And like you said, it's not just tying the hands of this next Congress, but uh, state legislators and others across the country with a bill as egregious as this Disrespect for Marriage Act. So let's talk, uh, Connor, for just a moment. Who, who, what states, what senators are we watching in this lame duck session that might be tempted? And I'm talking about Republicans, not necessarily the Democrats. We know the Democrats are probably going to be in lockstep for this. But you could have some Republicans that could fall off the wagon on this and leave the reservation. So what do, what, what do we need to be focused on there? Yeah, it's really two categories. It's those senators a lot are retiring. Senator Toomey from Pennsylvania, Senator Blunt of Missouri, uh, Senator Portman's already expressed support um, out of Ohio. So they're retiring. They're not coming back to Congress in January. So these are their final votes in the Senate. And then you look at other senators that maybe would have just won re-election. Senator Todd Young's running for re-election in Indiana. He hasn't made any statements uh, assuring that he's going to be a no vote on this. And we've mentioned him again, Senator Tillis, who just won two years ago. So again, it's going to be a couple more years to face the the voters. And so there's there's a, a key states, North Carolina, Missouri, Ohio, Pennsylvania, where um, your senators are, are on the line of whether uh, they could be that 10th vote, that 60th vote, rather, uh, to, to codify Obergefell decision in the law. Yeah, as you mentioned, there are some who have not made statements um, either way on this among in the Republican uh, uh, conference in the in the Senate. And so I think it's going to be very important that people speak to, communicate with their senators on this, especially, this is one of those cases, especially if you have a Republican senator, uh, to express to them your concern about the threat that this would pose to religious freedom. Now, we didn't go into the details, but one of the solutions, if you will, that's being put forward, that Senator Tillis of North Carolina, by the way, if you're in North Carolina, you clearly need to be speaking to Senator Tillis and Senator Burr, who is retiring. Senator Burr actually voted in 2010 for the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Uh, so he is a, I, I think he's a, a problem on this. So I think those, if you live in North Carolina, both of your senators need to hear from you. But Senator Tillis in particular is working on what he calls a solution, which their solution simply deals with, like, churches and religious institutions. The problem with that is that the First Amendment it guarantees religious freedom to individuals, not institutions. And this would put individuals uh, still at risk through this ref redefinition of marriage. Yeah, we've seen it so many times. You know, we've even still see litigation on, you know, individuals who are photographers for weddings, cake bakers, host wedding venues, you name it. These are just individuals trying to live out their faith in, in their everyday lives. And those are the people that have to bear the legal fees, the public attention and outcry of just people that want to practice their faith and still serve uh, their constituents. And these are the kinds of people that would not be protected from these short-term fixes uh, covering these institutions. That That's the real people that are, are putting 
put in the front lines. And just to talk about adoption agencies for a second, we just saw the overturning Roe v. Wade, where now 13 states are actively protecting life from conception, if not better, where adoption agencies need to be on the front lines. And these Christian and Catholic adoption agencies may be tossed to the wayside just because uh, they, they choose not to adopt out same-sex couples. All right, Connor, uh, before we wrap up here, are there resources and tools available for people as they look at this lame duck, prepare for this lame duck, and to uh, communicate with their senators? Yes, we got several uh, ways you can communicate with your senators about disrespect for marriage act, this uh, women in the draft and defense authorization, as well as all the other lame duck issues at our frcaction.org uh, uh, page. You can check that out. It has an action website where you can go right to contact your senators directly. Uh, we've helped you out and done all the work for you. You just got to let them know um, how you really feel about these issues. And, and your voice is needed now more than ever um, as these final days uh, end up the end of this year and some important piece of legislation come before our Congress. Final question for you, Connor. You're on Capitol. You're talking with the, the staff uh, members uh, on a regular basis. Does it matter when uh, our listeners and viewers contact uh, their offices? It sure does. These members of Congress and senators like to hear a lot more from their folks back home than us here in D.C. All right. Uh, Connor Simmelsberger, always great to see you. Thanks so much. Doing a great job. Keep it up. Glad to be on, Tony. And, and folks, so you need, we, we really need you. And I know we get into the holiday season as soon as the election is over. It happens every time. You know, we got Thanksgiving. I love this time of year. We got Christmas uh, in 2010. They went all the way up to Christmas Eve. I believe that was, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's designed when people are distracted. I think they use that as cover. So start now. Go to frcaction.org. Look at the resources. Contact your senators even now and encourage them to protect religious freedom by not going along with the left's codifying of the court, the activist court's redefinition of marriage. All right, and also, get your voter guide. Text the word guide to 67742. That's 67742. All right, it was great to have you today. I hope you'll tune in again tomorrow. Until then, I leave you with the encouraging words the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at one 866 372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.